uh, I'll ask you this morning if you will turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter number one. I feel like the Lord has spoken to me about this thought directly, Matthew chapter one. And when you do, if you would stand to your feet, we'll prepare to receive, we'll prepare to read the word of God together. Matthew chapter one, verse number one. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brethren. And Judah begot Perez and Zerah of Tamar, and Perez begot Ezram, and Ezram begot Aram, and Aram begot Amenadab, and Amenadab begot Naasen, and Naasen begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. And so on and so forth. We could keep reading till we come all the way down to find out these are the generations of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I believe that when we look in these verses at the ancestry of Jesus, you would expect that when you open that cedar chest of names, you would find royalty and riches. But instead... When you open that cedar chest, you find dirty laundry, filthy scoundrels, folks that had broken lives. And so from this text today, I want to preach on this thought, broken pieces, broken pieces. Father, would you help us to preach the word of God in the power and demonstration of your spirit Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and use me, fill me with the Spirit in his might. For this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. As I was studying, reading these verses and rereading these verses about the broken lives that comprise uh, this uh, great list, it um, automatically comes to my attention that some years ago, as Miss Gina and I were decorating our Christmas tree, uh, that I was putting one of those uh, uh, decorations, one of those ornaments upon the tree, and it fell through the limbs and landed on the floor, a wood floor. It's tremendous what I've just done. I don't know whether to laugh or to continue on. <laughs> but as we were decorating the tree, I put one of those ornaments upon the tree. It went through the limbs and it hit the wood floor and it shattered all to pieces. So many pieces and so many little fragments that I could not possibly put it back together. And I'll be honest with you, it hurt not my fingers, but it hurt my heart. Because that ornament was special to us as a family, to me and Miss Gina. We'd had it for many years and it hurt my heart. It hurts my heart to this day. Uh, that that's what, it, I mean, it was one of our first Christmases together when that happened. And I had to sweep it up and throw the whole thing away. In fact, I was sharing this experience with Luke and Carrie, these newlyweds. And look what I got here. 
She told me, she said, Preacher Darren, you're not going to believe it, but we dropped one of these precious bulbs, up, these ornaments, we dropped it, and it's all these little pieces and fragments. I said, I want it. Bring it to me, okay? Don't throw it away just yet. And so the Lord started dealing with me about what he can do with broken pieces, things that are shattered, things that are smashed, things that you think there's no use for that. Trash it, sweep it away. This is too broken. So when I read this list of names, I believe that this proves the royalty and lineage of Jesus. And when it does, the Jews would have caught, the thing that would have caught their attention is that there are women listed in this genealogy. And that is highly unusual and extremely rare for the mother to be listed in the genealogy of that day. There are 42 names, 37 of them does not include their mother, but there are five where the women are mentioned. I understand if back in that day, if the woman had been of royalty, maybe the Rockefellers or the Vanderbilts, but uh, you could see them doing that. But these women that's listed, I studied their lives. They're Gentiles, not Jews. They're heathens. They're pagans. They were outside the covenant, outside the promise of God. These, these ancestors are really not even worth celebrating. You, you, you look at their sinful choices and their, their bad decisions. I'm, I mean, think about Tamar in verse 3, uh, Rahab in verse 5, Bathsheba in verse 6. These women had sexual sins of incest, fornication. Adultery, I mean, things that Hollywood would just love today. These are people that are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I went back, studied my family tree. I'm going to tell you who I'm related to. Sinners, every one of them. A crooked farmer by the name of Adam. A drunken sailor by the name of Noah. That's who I'm related to. So today, if you're here and you've got brokenness in your family, and you think there's no hope for you, you're messed up, you're broken, you cannot see why God would want you, you cannot see why God would still use you, I want to say this to you, that there's no person beyond the reach of the grace of God. No one is so broken, so shattered, so smashed, that God's grace can't restore you, can't repair you, or cannot mend you. Today I'm interested in verse 3 where our Bible says that Judah begot Phares and Zerah of Tamar. Tamar was a Canaanite woman. She was a pagan. In fact, when I read about Tamar, she's found in Genesis chapter 38. But it's a scandalous story in the life of Judah. Now I'm not ashamed of the word of God, but I'm almost embarrassed to tell you who Tamar was. Genesis 38 records one of the most perverse, sinful events that's ever recorded in the Word of God. It is filled with deception. It is filled with seduction. It is filled with incest. But we're going to see how the grace of God can take us where we are, change who we are, and what we are, and use us for His glory. You're going to find out that we are not the result of human chance, but we are the result of divine choice. 
I've learned, I'm learning how God overcomes our past, how he overrides our present, and how he oversees our future to take us from shattered and broken to make us an ornament of grace. When I look in Genesis 38, I want to see three things and I'll be done. Number one, I want you to see selfish living. Genesis 38, verse 1. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. You remember the 12 tribes of Israel? Judah was the one whose name means praise. Unfortunately, seldom did he live up to his name. When you look at Judah, they have taken their brother, Joseph, and they threw him in a pit thinking they're going to kill him. And when they're trying to figure out how they're going to kill him, Judah stands up. This is what Judah says. Judah says, what profit is it? Profit's about money. What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Let's sell him. So they sold him for 20 pieces of silver and all the boys got their payoff. They went back after they sold their brother and told their daddy that Joseph had been killed. Do you see Judah's wicked suggestion? Now look with me in verse 1 again. The Bible says that he went down from his brethren. Preacher Darren, what does that mean? First of all, I think about his wayward behavior. You know you have a conscience. And Judah knew what he did to his brother. He could hear his brother as he went off in the back of that cart saying, fellas, don't do this. Fellas, change your minds. Fellas, I love y'all. What are you doing? Judah could never forget what he did. He had a conscience that was nagging at him. Tremendous guilt overcame him. And it caused him to grow restless. And so he did what other people do when they can't stand the results of their misdeeds. He moved away. In fact, when he moved away, my Bible says he went down. Mm-hmm. And he began to live in a place called Adullam. And his associate there, his friend, was his name was Hira. Uh, three times I'm going to find Hira in the Word of God in this chapter. Three times. Here, here's what his ungodly friend did for him. First of all, he was his acquaintance. Then he made him as his associate. Then he made him his accomplice. <laughs> now, I want you to see not only his wayward behavior, he's running away, but I just want you to look in verse 2 at his uh, worldly bride. Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. And he took her and went in unto her. So in other words, the woman is not named. Her daddy's name is mentioned. And Judah takes her. It doesn't say he married her, but I know that he did because later on it mentions that she was his wife. And the Bible says that this woman and he, they had children. The Bible says in verse 3, she conceived and bare a son and he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bare a son and she called his name Onan and she and yet and she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah and was at Chesbib when she bare him. Now I'm thinking here for a second about this worldly bride. It is strictly forbidden for a Jew to marry a Gentile. It is strictly forbidden for a Jew to marry a Canaanite. They serve pagan gods. 
They are heathens. This woman was no different from that whatsoever. She is a worldly bride. And Judah named the first child, but when they had the second child, he's turned over the child raising to her. She's going to raise those children not to know the Lord God, but to know pagan heathenism. And now she named the second one, and she named the third one, and Judah has just turned his family over to his worldly bride. You fellas, make sure you marry a godly girl. You girls, make sure you marry a godly man. You'll have a world of trouble if you don't do so, amen? So we see his worldly bride. Look with me in verse number, verse number six. Look at Judah's wicked boys. Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar in the years to come. As Ur became a man, Judah went and picked out the bride that Ur would be married to. My Bible says, and Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Can you just imagine? This boy was raised by a worldly mother with an absentee father who's just turned the family over to her, and because he was displeasing to the Lord, God slew him before they ever had children. Now, the Leveret Law would say this, that the next brother, when he gets of age, would marry that woman and would have children with her. And in doing so, he's raising up seed, not to himself, but to his brother. And that child that is uh, uh, conceived there and is raised up would become the heir and receive the double portion. But Onan thinks, uh-uh. I may marry her, but I'm not having children with her because I don't want the child to get the blessing in my brother's name. I want the inheritance for me. Do you see their selfish living? Do you see how selfish Judah has been? He wanted to do his thing and be an absentee father to go down and just have so worldly. Do you see what this is brewing in his family? And now here's Onan. And he has become selfish as well. The Bible says, look with me in verse number uh, 8. Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed would not, should not be his. And it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Verse 11. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shalah, my son, be grown. Okay? Shalah's the littlest one now, the third one. He said, one day he'll be... He said, Tamar, you go back to your daddy's house. You remain a widow there. Be a faithful widow. And when Shalah grows up, I'll give him to you. But Judah has no intention of giving his youngest son, the baby boy, to Tamar because he believes that ungodly woman has killed my first boy 
and now she's run through my second boy and he's dead too. And you know what's going to happen to baby Shalah? She will kill him too. He has no intention. He wants Tamar to live as a widow the rest of her life and be faithful to their family and look good, but she is not ever going to get Shalah. The Bible says, he said, lest peradventure he die also as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Do you see selfish living? Number two, I want you to see sinful living. Will you notice with me Judah's perverted values? Now, verse 12 says, In the process of time, the daughter of Shuha, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up in, unto his sheep shears to Timnath and his friend Hira the Dulamite. So here Judah's lost two sons already. Shalal has grown up now. Verse 12 tells us another tragedy takes place. Judah's wife has died. I believe that's the grace of God to remove that pagan woman out of Judah's life. And it's at that moment when that woman is taken away that his unsaved friend Hira shows up, his associate. And instead of being comforted of God, he was comforted by worldly friend. Who is it brings you comfort? Who is it that you turn to in times of tragedy? He turns to his associate, um, Hira, the Adulamite. Look with me now. They're going to go to a time of sheep shearing. And this will take Judah's mind off things. Hey, let's go to the sheep shearing that's going to take place. For the Canaanites in Adulam, sheep shearing is a time of feasting. It's not like the Jewish a time of sheep shearing. It's a time of partying. It's a time of fertility rites and fertility rituals. There'll be temple prostitutes everywhere. His wife has just died recently. Verse 13. It was told Tamar saying, Behold thy father-in-law goeth to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shalal was grown, and she was not given unto him to wife. She realized her father-in-law has no intention of keeping his word and his promise to her, and she says, bless God, I'm taking matters into my own hands. She had promised to keep her widow garments on. She's taken her widow garments off. She's wrapped herself in a veil. She goes down and sits out there. Verse 15, when Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot. That's a temple prostitute. And the word is different than a, than a, than a, than a typical harlot would be. The word is different. She's a temple prostitute dressed up like one. And because she covered her face. And the Bible says, look with me. He turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come into thee. So do you see his perverted values? He's not a man of his word. I want you to go a little further and see his personal vileness. His wife has just died. He sees a harlot. He goes to what he thinks is a harlot, which is really his daughter-in-law, and he goes to her and he propositions her. 
Not her propositioning him. He propositions her. Preacher, we're at church. How they, I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about messed up, broken, shameful, sinful lives. I'm talking about they've gone to the trash can of life. Look with me. He said, he, he turned unto her by the way and said, verse 16, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. She said, What wilt thou Give me a pledge till thou send it. In other words, I don't, I don't, see, the, I don't see the kid. I don't see the goat. I don't see it. So what are you going to give me as a down payment to secure this transaction? What are, you, what are you going to give me to secure your offer? He says, verse number, um, seven, uh, verse number 18, he said, what pledge shall I give thee? She said, thy signet, thy bracelets, and thy staff that is in thine hand. The signet, that, that is his signet ring, which is his personal possession. Nobody has a signet ring just like this man. They're all personal to who you are. The bracelets are all personal to who you are. The staff marked the day you were born, marked when this thing happened, significant things happened in your life. So you'd see on your staff to never forget what God's done for you. Judah's got a lot of things. Here's where my brother died, but he didn't really die. Here's where I deceived my daddy and told him, listen, there's a lot of things that Judah's got covered up in his life. And now he's, she says, I want your signet ring. I want your bracelets. I want your staff, everything. And the Bible says he gave it to her. And he came in unto her, and she conceived by him. And she arose and went away, laid by her veil from her and put on the garments of widowhood. Verses 20 through 23, Judah takes his friend Hira. The Adulamite says, here's a kid. Take it down there to the temple prostitute. He takes that goat down there to give it to the temple prostitute. But they said, I can't find her. Have y'all seen the temple prostitute? And we said, there was no temple prostitute here. Yes, there was. She's not here. Looked all over, couldn't find her came back to Judah and said, listen, Judah, she's gone. He said, let it be on her. She would have got all that, but let it be on her. That's her own problem for her to deal with right there. So you see his personal vileness. Thirdly, isn't this a pleasing message? Thirdly, you ought to have heard me arguing with God about having to preach it. Thirdly, I want you to see his shameful living. Look with me in verse 24. Look at his pretended virtue. It came to pass about three months after that it was told you to saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot. Also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. Your daughter-in-law, Tamar, that's supposed to be respectfully bearing her widowhood, is three months pregnant. Judah said, she's what? How dare that low-down, no-good, blankety-blank woman Treat and disrespect our family like this. The Bible says in verse 24, Judah said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. We gonna show her about being faithful in our family. We gonna show her about choices. We gonna show her about decisions. Ooh, 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 I can't wait till we get her. Let the executioners bring her forth. Not only are we gonna stone her, we gonna burn her up. 
Do you see his, per, his, his, his pretended virtue? The Bible says in verse 25, when she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law saying, by the man whose these are am I with child. She said, I discern, I pray thee, whose these are. The signet, boy, he couldn't deny that, was personal to him, that signet ring. The bracelets, those were personal to him. And the staff, which would have had the day he was born and all these marks of his family on that staff. She said, that's who I'm a child with. Uh-oh, 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 you can be sure your sin will find you out. There's a lot of us in the Baptist church that's got these uh, pretended virtues. You're so quick to point out other people's faults and other people's problems, but you don't behold that you got your own problems. You always want to go and say, ooh, 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 you, you, you've, got a, you've got a little splinter. You've you got, you got a little moat. You've you got a little speck in your eye. Let, let, let me get, oh, how, you heathen. Let me get that. You ain't seeing clear. Let me show you. And you don't realize that you've got a log in your eye and you can't even see. You've been blinded by your own values, blinded by your own vanity. It's unbelievable how judgmental and we'll sit here and say, oh, not me. Bless God, we do it. Each and every day. Hmm, his sins have found him out. Verse 26, he's standing publicly. Judah acknowledged them and said, she hath been more righteous than I. In other words, I'm guilty. And it's because I gave her not to Shalah. Right? He, he attempted to walk away to evade his guilt, but he's had to admit, I have done it. I gave her not to Shalah, my son, and he knew her no more. Here he goes. He's walking away again. And yet, when he thinks, just when he thinks, he's got all this covered. Nobody knows what's going on. God puts it in his word so that 4,000 years later, a Baptist preacher standing in Spruce Pine, North Carolina can tell all the people in the church and those that, want, that are watching online that this sinful, shameful way of life is what faces you today and tries to corrupt you. I want you to see his preoccupied vanity. We're going somewhere. Verse number 27. It came to pass... In the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. Twins. Judah, who's now absent again, and Tamar, his daughter-in-law, are going to have twins. He's going to be his own grandpa. They're going to, I mean, this sounds like something on, the, on some show you watch on TV. Right? Twins are in her womb. What's this? It came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread saying this came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back the hand that behold his brother came out. And she said, how hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. 
Therefore, his name was called Phares. When the other one was born, his name was named Zadra. This one that came out first and withdrew his hand and then the other one was born first. Even the midwife says, this breach, this, this, you know what we've done with our covenant to God? We've made a breach. We are broken by our sins. Phares comes out first. You know what? Judah never knew. You think about it. If you had been told, Judah, you are the lion. There's going to come from you the lion of the tribe of Judah. Which one will it be from, Ur? No, God killed him. Onan. No, God killed him. It'd have to be Shalah. You see, God began to overrule. And even that sinful thing that he did, now he lost two boys, and you can't see it. You think it's awful and evil, but by the grace of God, he's got two more. He's got Phares, which is going to be the ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's got Zerah. He's got two more. Now I want you to think about it for just a second. Why in the world would God choose a pagan woman, the seed of sinful, shameful living, to be a direct ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I look at this story, I see too much failure. I see too much sin. I see too much darkness. But then when I reread it, amen, I begin to see the grace of God on display. Amen. You come in here today and you think, man, there's no hope for me. God could never use me. God does not want me. I have made so many mistakes. I, 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 I've, I've been a drunkard. I've, I've been a terrible alcoholic. I've, I've been a druggie. I've been to jail. I, I've been divorced three times, preacher Darren. Nobody will ever want me. Come here, I want to tell you something. God loves you. And you have not gone too far. And you've not had too many terrible things happen to you. That his grace cannot reach you right where you are. And today you ought to be shouting and you ought to be praising God for every one of us that's messed up. I am a sinner. I am a hog gut sinner. I am not worthy to stand on this pulpit. I'm not worthy to come to this church. I'm not worthy to be on the property of the house of God. But by the grace of God, He's made me to become a child of the King, amen, and allows me to worship Him and have fellowship. And He says, you with your trash, you with your sin, you are just what I'm looking for. You think, preacher dear, there's no hope for me. No one is so broken that God cannot repair you. No one is so broken that God cannot restore you. But preacher Darren, people are holding against me. Listen, you're holding against yourself. But God, he will forgive you because forgiveness matters. And God will turn your trash, your sin, your mistakes, your errors, your bad choices, your poor decisions. God wants to turn that into treasure and make you an ornament of his grace. That's what God wants to do. When I reread that list and I see those sinful people in that treasure chest, that cedar chest of problems, I began to see how God takes broken lives and makes them whole. It's not sin He's putting on display. It's the grace of God. I have a new appreciation for this list. I see the grace of God at work in their lives. And yea, I see the grace of God at work in my life. I, I thought about this. You see, 
God does overcome our past. God does override our present. God does oversee our future. Uh, 280 years ago, there was a man by the name of Antonio Stradivarius. He was an Italian. He started making violins and other musical instruments for a living. He was, he was uh, well known to make resonating, uh, sounding instruments that truthfully cannot be duplicated. But here's the thing about Antonio Stradivarius that I learned. He was a very poor man and he could not afford fine materials to make those violins with. You know what he'd do? He would go down to the harbor and he would take lumber that was discarded in the harbor. Lumber that was floating. Lumber that was waterlogged. Other people's trash. He would pull from the harbor spend days and weeks to dry it out, do all he could to clean it up and begin to carve out and make violins from it. Only to find out while they were in the water, this wood, microbes were eating the center of the cells and left the wood with this fibrous infrastructure that you get the resonating sounds from. When he created those violins, they became the most expensive, the most beautiful. The, he took trash and he transformed it into treasure. And today I think there are only like 650 original Strad violins even still around 280 years later. And I got to thinking about that violin and how beautiful that music. And God said, how much more have I gone looking for the waterlogged the trashed, the discarded, the ones with too much failure, too much darkness, too many faults, and the world's rejected them. They've even rejected themselves. The devil has told you, you will never be loved. You will never be used. You will never be wanted. You will never sing in that choir. You will never sit on the pews of that church and do anything. You're a nobody. Only to find out. By the grace of God, he said, you're just what I'm looking for. And he picks you up, floating there out of your deadness, and takes you and begins to wash you in his blood and dry you out and clean you out of your field and begin to assemble the pieces and the parts of your life and put you together. And when he uses you for the glory of God, you will be an ornament, an instrument, of the grace of God. So today I'm preaching on this. God takes broken pieces and he makes them ornaments of his grace. You know what God's looking for today? Somebody that's broken. A broken and a contrite heart, oh God, thou wilt not despise. He's looking for somebody that's got problems. Somebody's come through some issues. Somebody that right now you think there's no way. It's too difficult. Right now's your moment. He's looking for you. And I have news for you. He's found you. He's put his eyes on you. He's ready to lay his hands upon you. All you got to do is say, take me, Jesus.
use me. Maybe there's somebody here said, Preacher Darren, I found that out for myself. He saved me from a world of sin. He saved me from a world where I had perverted values. I thought I was doing good. I was filled with self-righteousness. I was filled with selfish living. I was filled with shamefulness and sinfulness and I didn't even know it. I was strutting around like a peacock, pretending to have religion and Jesus come by and found me there in my sin and he saved my sin-sick soul and he showed me how I can please him and serve him. I want to be an ornament of his grace. How about you? You stand to your feet. I'm telling you, God is looking for some people today, right now. Come on, right now. Come on, come on. Church minded, come to the altar. You know, on your face, oh God, thank you for taking my broken pieces, my broken life, my bad decisions. Thank you, God, for how you've worked and overcome. God, I want to praise you for that day. Boy, you ought to be a coming. You ought to be a, there's not one of us in this church that can truly stand and say, God has not rescued my broken life. Won't you come right now and bend that knee and say, God, thank you for working with me when I was broken. God, won't you bring right now, you've got a daughter. You've got a grandson. You've got a boy. And right now there's problems surrounding them. You can see it, but you're powerless to change it. Won't you say, God, I'm seeing right now, Lord, they're in trouble. God, would you help them? Would you choose them? They've been discarded. It breaks your heart as a grandmother, as a grandfather, as a mom or a dad. What's going on? Won't you bring them right now? Come on right now. Bring them right now to the Lord. Bring them right now. Oh, if you're here, I can't even pray yet. God said you get back up. If you're here today, and you've never been saved, you think you've gone too far, why don't you slip up your hands and say, Preacher, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I'm going to ask God, I'm not going to ask you to come down. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand, slip it back down, say, Lord, I want to be saved. Preacher, pray for me. Is there anybody? Anybody? God had me get back up for a reason. Maybe you're watching online. This is your day. God wants to save your soul. Won't you tell him? Tell him right now, bow your head. Say, Jesus, I'm lost. I'm so broken. Lord, I don't even feel like you could use me. But that preacher said you wanted me. Oh, yes, Jesus died on the cross for me. He shed his blood for me that I might be forgiven. Tell him, will you save me, Jesus? Forgive me my sins. Save my soul. Let me go to heaven. Oh, yes, just as much as you forgave Tamar and put her in the ancestry of Christ. Lord, you'll forgive these, Father, and make the descendants, Father, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I bow, and I give you praise, thanks, and glory. God, for what you're doing. Thank you, Father, for the broken pieces of my life. God, without the broken pieces, Lord, I would have never found out about the love and the mercy and the peace and the restoration of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for all you've done, for how you're keeping us in blessing. Lord, in spite of ourselves, Lord, we ask your blessing. Save our families, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.